listening to Humanize Me with Bart Campolo. Hey everybody, welcome back. Listen, I'm just going to tell you right up front, this episode is going to be a doozy. I'm not going to do a long introduction to it, but I got to warn you, it's going to be a doozy. And part of that is because it's the episode, once a year or so, my son Roman comes on the show. And it's for many people, he is their favorite guest. That is their favorite episode of the year. If you've been with me for a long time, you know this. And and so it was going to be a doozy anyway if Roman came on the show. But this one's different. And I got to tell you, if if you're if you're uncomfortable with conflict, you may be uncomfortable with this episode because he really comes after me. I mean, he he actually the reason he's on this week is because of last week's episode with Michael Dowd, and. John, my producer, John, who is also in on this program, he hated that episode. He wrote me a letter afterwards and said, listen, I usually am lockstep with you. I am not with you on this one. And, uh, and then Roman called and he was furious. And I mean, he started in on me and I thought like, wait, stop. This is, (laughs) let's let let me give, give me a minute. Let's set up the microphones. Let's, let's do this thing for real. And so he waited till the next morning and he called back and he was loaded for bear. And it's a pretty contentious episode. There's, like I said, if you're, if you're, if not so much conflict, if, you, if, if, if you're uncomfortable with verbal violence, uh, it's going to be there. And not just for me. I mean, he comes after me, but he comes after Michael Dowd too. And, in some ways, I'm, I'm almost hesitant. You know, Michael Dowd's a big boy and he's been putting out his stuff for years and traveling around for, for years communicating his ideas. And so I don't think anything, if, if, this, if Michael Dowd listens to this episode, I don't think he'll enjoy it any more than I did. But uh, I don't think he would be surprised. I doubt, I doubt that these are the first times he's heard these kinds of criticisms. Um, but the bottom line is, Roman was not, Michael Dowd was my choice. And Michael Dowd fits into a conversation I've been having for 20 years. And Roman was just done with it, done with me. And he comes after me. And it was hard and it was beautiful. And I think if you, if you're, if you hang in there, you'll see that if, if you become too uncomfortable at the beginning, you maybe want to skip ahead till about like 20 minutes before the end where you see how it ends. Cause it's like, like a movie and it does, it does end somewhere. Um, so I'm just warning you in advance, like, cause some of you might be going like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. Like for, trust me, I'm here on the other side of it. I'm still living. I'm still breathing and all is well. As a matter of fact, this is probably, this may actually represent a turning point in my life and certainly a turning point in my response to what's going on in the world around me right now. And so if you've been frustrated with me, oh boy, you are going to have a good time with this show. All right. Before we get to that, 
Not a, like it has been a rough, as you'll hear in the podcast, it, it's been a rough week for me all the way around. I've gotten a lot of criticism on a lot of counts from a lot of people that I care about this week. And the bottom line is I, I, this, I, I haven't been doing well. I haven't been living well. I haven't been living up to expectations. And uh, maybe, maybe some of you can relate. Maybe some of you are not pleased with the way that you're bearing up under the circumstances. But, but man, I had, this, I had this coming to me. So, all right. So in, without further ado, I'll get to that. Well, actually with a little bit of further ado, because I got to say that at the same time that I'm getting a lot of feedback, constructive criticism, if you will, I'm also getting a lot of support. Uh, this show is getting a lot of support. I feel like we're, maybe people are sort of giving aspirationally, saying like, hey, we're going to support you. Now, now live up to the support because in the last few weeks, we have gotten so much support. Now, I know some of it came because people wanted to like jump in over the wire and support the program so that they could listen to the mind expansion of Bart Campolo episode about my psychedelic experience. And to those of you that came in for that reason, great. Glad to have you. Hope you stay with us. Um, but we've had a lot of people come on board for a lot of different reasons recently. So I'm just, look, I'm not going to go over the old people for right now. I'm, I'm giving you some newcomers. Bob Jones, Matt, Jesse Voigt, Adam Young, Rebecca Reed, Dale O'Neill, Michelle McGee, Demry Alonzo, the Wenlings, Georgina Bell, Joel Miller, Come on. I've thanked some of you personally, but collectively, that's a lot of people getting behind the podcast in a very short period of time. Probably even more exciting to me is Ruby Newman, John Wolferth, Spencer Schweier, and Brian DeVore, because those are people that already support the podcast and in the last few weeks have upped their giving and sort of sent notes saying, look, I'm up in my giving because this is an important time for a podcast like this one. And as you're going to hear, not everybody thinks I'm doing a good job. And I, yeah, I got to tell you, I don't know about, I don't know about the past, but I am, I am bound and determined to do a good job, to put out messages about relationships, to put out messages about connecting with people, to put out messages about, about surviving a really difficult moment in a positive way. And being a force for good in the world. Um, so I love you all that support this show. I love you all that listen to this show. And I love my son who's about to trash me on this show. And with now without further ado, let's get to me talking with Roman. I feel great. Glad you feel good. Hold on to that feeling now, because it's not going to last through this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So, so yeah, this this may have been a bad idea on my part. but like It was. Every, it was. Well, you know, here's the thing. Every year around, at, at some point, I start getting letters like, hey, when are we going to hear, when's Roman coming back? Like, you have your <laughs> own little, like, cult following on the, on the, uh, the humanize me crowd. Yeah. And, uh, and then- when we dropped the LSD episode and you were a big part of that experience for me. Um, and then you flamed me, you called me full of hatred. Um, 
And then, and then, you know, what's interesting is, is normally I'd be like, oh, well, this might be time for me to have Roman as a guest. But then John sends me an email going like, hated the podcast. Right. No, I know. I know. And here's how I want this to go. I would like- How do you want it to go? I would like first for you in as brief a fashion as you can manage, tell me what you think of that podcast. Just going from memory. I assume you haven't listened to it because you don't listen to any of your podcasts, but just how it feels to you in retrospect. And then I want John to read his email to you that he sent afterwards. And then I'll go into the stuff I have written down. John, how does that sound to you? That, yeah, we, we talked about it. That sounds really good. All right. Bart, uh, Bart. First of all, how are you feeling? How are you feeling right now? I'm feeling besieged, but that's okay. That's okay. No, because here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I knew even as I was doing the Dowd podcast, I was I wasn't thinking of you, John. I wasn't mm-hmm. thinking. I like I should have been, but I, I knew Roman because Roman he was no fan of Michael Dowd the first time I had him on the show, and that was before any coronavirus nonsense. Well, so, I think it's, we should maybe say right up front, like neither Roman or I are collapse people in the sense that we don't think that some great societal collapse is coming anytime soon. And you are. And so that makes us very different ideologically, actually, right from the start. So, so, no, yes. but, no, but I, I, think, li- I, I like think, Romans, I like Romans uh, suggested right. okay. form. Well, and yeah. I will, I will. I, I think some, I, I know that I, like, I, know, I might as well just get it out there. I know the term mutual masturbation is going to come out at some point <laughs> in this podcast. I can yeah. just feel it coming at me. Okay. So oh, I'm just, yeah. I'm just owning it. Um, so it's funny because Rome, when you said like, you should tell me about the podcast, I thought you were going to like steel man me where you were going to tell me about the podcast in its most po- positive light. But all right, you want me to tell you what I remember? Here's what I remember. I called Dowd because in this moment, I am picking up a whole lot of man, when we get through this or, you know, like, wow, who saw this coming? Or this is a once in a hundred years thing. Like, you know, and you got to shut down that hope once and for all. (laughs) Like I've been thinking for a long time that we're sitting in a circle of dominoes and that any number of events could could knock over the first domino that could kind of create a cascading series of real problems for humanity. I've thought, right, like this is no news to either of you. So Dowd, when I wrote, like, like I, I followed him a little bit and over the last few years, he sort of slipped past trying to convince people that something bad is on the horizon. And he's sort of gone like, listen, it's too late to, to stop it. So I want to talk about what is a good response to, um, to, to a process, to, to, a fork, to, to a deterioration of 
the fortune of humans on the earth. Not a, not an obliteration, but a deterioration. Like like almost like we're heading into like the mother of all great depressions. Yeah. Like, okay. I get it. And so, I, I so, listened okay. to the whole so, podcast. I got it. I, I, I got it. So like, like so all I'm saying is like so I called him because right now nobody wants to hear from me. Nobody. My my, my, my wife sat me down the other day and said, I don't want to hear any more. Because you don't, because you don't even sound smart talking about it. You sound like one, you're painting the worst case scenario and you're a pseudo intellectual and you don't have any expertise on it. So it doesn't feel like it's coming from these years of tireless research and you just have some insights that the rest of the scientific community is not privy to. You just sound like a guy that likes to talk about it and has these okay. weird fantasies associated okay, okay. with it. So okay, anyway. but what I'm, but, but Bart, what I, I, I like Roman's initial framing, which was what did you think of the conversation when it happened? In other words, when you were in that with Dowd, how did you feel it went? And did you think it w- it sort of accurately reflected what you think about this whole thing? Okay. Honestly, I went to Dowd's page before the podcast, you know, like in doing my research. And I saw all these interviews he'd done with people who, I don't know what to call them. They're, they're, they're not exactly scientists, but they're very thoughtful people about science. And, and, and before any of you laugh, I'm thinking about somebody like Michael Pollan mm-hmm. or Malcolm Gladwell. And I'm not, I'm not putting these guys on that level necessarily, but, but in, it, certainly not in terms of popularity. But, or, 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 but what I'm saying is, is that these are people that are smart enough to listen and to synthesize ideas and to articulate them back in, in, in ways. And so he was around a lot of people who have spent a lot of time thinking about climate change mm-hmm. and thinking about problems with t- climate change that, as far as I can tell, are fairly mainstream. Not, not the... Not the what they think is going to happen, but the problems that they think need to be overcome, the problems that they see arising are pretty mainstream. And, and so, I, you know, I, I thought, hey, Michael's been thinking about this a lot more deeply than I have for the last few years. I, I think we're in it. I think, I, think this is the, I think this is the beginning of a hard time for humanity. And so I wanted to talk to somebody who's thought about it. Yeah, there's a big gap between it being the beginning of a hard time for humanity and there being a 95% decrease in human population within 30 years. There's there's, There's just a difference in scale. And these guys that he talks to and the guys that you guys are in a conversation like this are people who seem to have no sense of scale. Like when you're talking about a guy like Michael Pollan, like, hey, he's not really a scientist, but he speculates about things. He speculates about a very narrow domain of things that he has personal experience with. And when you listen to real scientists talk, you get a sense that they have a sense of the gradients, the the different scales of expertise. Guys that don't know about that 
just jump to the highest scale conceivable. Just here's how human civilizations work. And this is a fact about human civilization. And this is what's going to happen in the next hundred years. Like just boom, every single microsystem that is, is included in their sweeping view of all of history. And it's really convenient because then you don't have to have any expertise. And if you don't have any expertise, well, then you, you're, it's not incumbent upon you to contribute it to solving any of the many individually highly complex problems that are under a blanket like climate change. But if all you know is climate change bad, it's going to kill us. Great. You don't have to help. You can just accept with equanimity and be a spiritual guru guy. And you don't have to actually apply yourself to anything other than having dinner conversations in which you're the guy with the prophecy that like that. It's it's gross. And I'm just going to start, John, because I'm going now. Like for (laughs) one, for one, the tone, the tone that you start this podcast with so does not match the subject matter. You're like, here's my conversation with Michael Dowd, and it's all about what's going on right now and what it means. I hope you dig it. Hope I dig it. You're about to tell me everything's going to burn. Horror beyond what I think you can even imagine, Dad. Like, I, I don't know how much actual footage even of real violence you've seen. But it's not something you dig when the prospect of it being all encompassing in your life for the foreseeable future is being presented to you. So it's already like, oh, okay, stop, I, I'm already, stop. Why? As soon as you called me, as soon as John wrote to me, I, I recognized that the tone was off. Like, okay, but, but, not, but here's the thing. You didn't, that's not but, an appropriate tone to right, take. But you, I know, but you don't go through a list before a podcast and think, which tone should I adopt? Your tone, whatever one naturally comes out, is a reflection of how seriously you understand the matter you're talking about. It's not like, oh, you should have picked a different tone. No, that tone is authentic. And it communicates the shallowness of your knowledge and or wisdom on this topic. So I'm going to go on when it comes to Michael Dow. I mean, Dowd, whatever. Another ex-Christian guy, (laughs) another ex-Christian guy that needs to still do the religion thing. His website is called the great story. Wow. A great story about our annihilation. And you say to him early on, you know, you're my only friend who I can talk to this about and, and, and how it's a setup. It'll be this, it'll be that, but it's coming. Like that, that's, the, that's your overlap of expertise. It'll be this, it'll be that, but it's coming. The great event, all that millenarian Christian residue. And, and, and then you say to him, have you started? No, no, no. no, no, no I'm no. not talking about the great event. I'm talking about the Great Depression. But you guys seem to talk about it like a great event in which new levels of human compassion will finally bubble to the surface. Anyway, let me continue. You then playfully ask him, so uh, have you started your I told you so tour yet? 
And he chuckles. <laughs> oh, that I know you said that. That was cute. I told my wife you said that. And we just buzzed out laughing. <laughs> no, but th- but this isn't a time where you pride yourself on being right because, you know, it involves mortality and death and shit. He even says death and shit. And so this I told you so tour. I told you so what? A big bad thing is going to happen. Viruses hit no matter what we do. We could be in any state of civilization and we could get hit by a virus. It's a thing that's been with us forever. And we figured out how to adapt and evolve through it. Nothing he said, at least that I've ever heard him say on your podcast or when I did a little dive on him a couple years ago, suggests that he's been predicting a pandemic. Anybody could predict a pandemic. They always come. So this I told you so tour already is really revealing about the kind of guys I'm listening to. I told you. Okay, he's going to- okay. okay. But again, again, you're right. Pandemic flus have hit many times. Uh-huh. Okay. However, however, our global economy has not always been supply chained to the nines, indebted to the nines. People flying on airplanes all over the place very quickly, like like the, the right, the right. No, you're right, right. They all, back in the day, a whole different scale. Right back in the day, we didn't have any of those things. All we had was no modern medicine or recourse at all to do fast paced research on how to solve something like this. We just had to die by the half continent. It's not worse now. It's not worse now. It's still bad and there are dominoes, but it's not worse. So then he goes on talking about how he had cancer and he had to face, he had to face that he may die within the next five years. And now, you know, Bart, that's where our whole species is at. Ha ha ha. Wow. Cool. He had a near death thing in his life. So he had to project it onto all of humanity so he could play God boy with his new wisdom. He says, climate, climate chaos, resource depletion, species extinction, overpopulation. Like all of these fields are fields in which there are experts who have diverse views on adaptation strategies and innovation techniques and many potential outcomes on a scale of gradients from best to worst case, given how we respond at any given time. There's no mention of any of this. He's just it's it's overdetermined. It's overdetermined. It's over. And then we get to see a little bit of his strange utopian vision of what a society going through a collapse looks like. He says, more people are going to be living compassionate and genuinely joyful lives than ever before in the midst of the chaos. Because, get this, because most people would rather die than take their neighbor's shit. What the fuck is he talking about? More people are going to be living compassionate and joyful lives in the midst. So so chaos, that's the ideal scenario for human flourishing. Oh, the Mad Max scenario, that's the least likely. And we know this from human history. Really, the the history of civilizational collapse is one of more compassionate and joyful lives because people would rather die than take their neighbor's shit. There's a couple of websites I go to every now and then just to get a dose of reality where you see videos of the conflicts going on around the world. 
I would like either of you to spend a half hour on one of these websites and tell me that people would rather die than take their neighbor's shit. So already I'm getting his weird utopian thing. He knows nothing about human behavior. He keeps his vision on the scale of whole populations and aeons and era and God as nature. He can't even get down to the scale of like basic human behavior. But, you know, he, he provides the evidence that we understand this from previous collapsing empires. Really? Because I just read a little bit about the collapse of the Roman Empire and the Mayan Empire. And you know what, Mike? They weren't the stories of compassionate and genuinely joyful lives blooming in the midst of the chaos. So there he's lost me 10 times already. Then he starts with his terminology, his special terminology, the, the secular religion of perpetual progress. Oh, you mean people believing we could maybe do better. The secular religion of perpetual progress. I've studied this very closely. That's what it is. It's not just people having a basic belief in human innovation and ingenuity. It's the okay, secular. I will stop you. No, on that. I'm, no, I no, don't stop. stop no, give me one more minute. Cause I'm just, I have to get through the terminology part. Like, that he said, every human-centered civilization in history has self-destructed. Human-centered? Oh, well, there's a conveniently broad term that he can just define however he wants. But, you know, he, he, he defends it. He says, it's a fact. It's an evidential fact. Oh, good. It's not just a fact. It's an evidential fact. Okay, but is it an empirical, provable, self-evident, evidential fact? Come back with one of those and we can talk. Like, in, there's just no actual evidence provided other than him saying it's an evidential fact. There's just no question, Bart. There's no question. Like, even, whenever you even started to poke, you could just, you just get, because you can tell that he has very little tolerance for being asked to clarify. He just, no, Bart, you're not getting it. And that that's very telling about the kind of siloing a fringe intellectual who's unhappy with the trajectory of their career. So reverting to the most extreme possible visions. Wow, you just so, like going to psychoanalyze so the guy, so aren't he you? Can, You're just so totally he can rationalize. Sick. So he can rationalize his failure as a public intellectual with, oh, well, they just can't stomach the truths that I'm willing to stomach. There's a lot more, but I'll pause to let you say whatever you want to say. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> and, you know, because given that I am a failed public intellectual, I think I know a little bit about the psyche myself. First of all, like, I, I, like, I think you can go too far in terms of sort of, you know, people, people have the vocal inflection they have the voices that they have in in many cases and no the, you know, no no tone of voice is actually a, a fairly good indicator of the nature of someone's inner life if you're if well, you know how to listen and then i want to get a voice analyst on to, to work over the first five minutes of this podcast no everybody no that that that's like an a priori fact of experience it's a you don't you just you know that when you listen yeah, okay, to somebody right. okay I mean, I guess I'll work backwards, like because the place I, one of the places I want to interrupt you was when you were sort of talking about the secular religion of perpetual progress. Now, listen, the idea that virtually every significant economy in our on our planet right now is is predicated on infinite infinite growth, infinite expansion, endless growth. That's 
would you would you dispute that fact? Do you think anybody's working towards like an, a sustainable economy or a zero growth economy? Or it's too no. big, man. It's too big of a thing to say. It's all built on a paradigm of infinite growth. I'm telling you, like you could pull out the United States. Yes, you could pull out the United States budget report or the the 10-year plan of China or any any economic plan you want to see, and they're all based on infinite growth, growing the economy, GDP going up, consumption going up, spending going up, infrastructure but going the real, up. The real presumption there, the real presumption there is infinite adaptation, which is how we should be approaching the future. I, I believe and that we live on a finite planet with finite natural resources that are being depleted at like on a hockey stick stick shaped curve mm-hmm. in in such an exponential way that even if you were right about infinite innovation that infinite innovation would have to take place at at at, at an incredibly rapid pace before no matter how fast you innovate if you don't innovate in time for there to be enough water for people to drink people die so and that's so how it, simple it's not it is? that I don't it, uh, what I'm saying is, is it's not that I don't think given an infinite amount of time and an infinite amount of scientists and an infinite amount of everything that we could come up with, you know, a way to like maintain economic growth uh, on a finite planet by somehow, you know, ameliorating certain problems and, and, and shipping in resources from elsewhere. I don't know. Like, it's not that I don't believe that that's possible. What I'm saying is, is like the, the clock is ticking and, and 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 so our inf- the, the idea that somebody would say hey we have constantly believed that the way to get out of every economic or social problem is growth growing the economy increasing the number of jobs increasing the amount of production increasing everything i think that's a fair critique and i'm shocked if you don't so you think what you just said is reason enough to accept the inevitable doom and extinction of humanity within the next 10 to 70 years. Okay. First of all, I never said a damn thing about extinction. And you so like, never I, like, pushed back on it once when he did. And this is where you have me at a, at a disadvantage because you actually listen to the podcast. Yeah, um, it helps. I was, it, it does help. I, I was, Right. And I was just engaged in a conversation with somebody. And, and again, like, I mean, I'm, I'm like, I'm willing to take my lumps on this one. Okay. Do you okay. think maybe Bart, you didn't want to debate with Michael Dowd? Like, in other words, you, you said like, okay, so there might, might've been areas where we disagreed, but I didn't want to push it with him or I didn't want to I think if like... you put us on a spectrum, Michael Dowd is like all the way to one end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. I'm about six inches, you know, I'm about, I'm about six inches in, uh, in, inside of him. And almost everybody that I talk to is about, you know, 50 feet to my, to my right or left. Like, the, the, like they're not even close to thinking that we're in, that we're in real right. trouble or, or, you know. No, everyone so- knows we're in real trouble. Everyone, no one would say we're not in real trouble or that hard times are not upon us. Everyone knows and we're trying to solve the problem. Did everyone know six six weeks ago, six months ago? No, only prophets like you. 
I, I'm, I'm dead serious. Like, no, like you didn't th- know coronavirus pe- was coming. You just were more. Yes, you're more ready to buy up all the food and hoard and pull your money out of the stock market. No, and, no, and no, do And no. do yes, because you told me to pull my money out of the stock market. So you want to do all the panic driven shit that makes things worse to because I'm you're not, so into this prophecy. I'm not denying that for years I have been thinking that we we have an economy based on oil a finite resource that took millions of years to create and we're we and we're depleting it at an incredibly fast rate um that depends upon water which is increasingly becoming a very very like clean water is a real problem in many parts of the world and wars are going to be fought and wars bad have things been and right will bad be things fought, happen right? wow wow and you I, know that I, bad and, things happen and that the way we the way we handle modern agriculture, the, 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 the way we do agriculture leaves us incredibly vulnerable to pandemic flus. Okay. Are there other facts too, or are these the only ones? No, there are lots of other facts. But what are, I'm, are what some I'm saying of them is, pointing is the we, other way or are they no, all no, no, point you, this way? When you say to me, when you say to me, you know, you didn't, like you never thought about a pandemic flu. Like I could, I could point you to the podcast that I recommended to you a year ago called "The End of the World," which talked about the all the you know. And it yes, starts yes. out with when, when your when your hobby is to cycle through possible ways that civilization could collapse, you're bound to sometimes talk about one that will present itself in some way. There's only a few global level ter- climate change, overpopulation, pandemic. Like yes, there's like eight of them. I'm sure you touched on it before. I, I need to continue and then because I'm not getting much from what you're saying right now. So he, then he goes on to just say anthropocentrism is unsustainable. Ecocentrism okay, and is And I did push back on that. I yes, pushed back no. all and I'm about to get, and I'm, I'm about to give you credit on that. He said God, anthropocentrism. <laughs> he said. John, we haven't even gotten to you. <laughs> anthropocentrism is unsustainable. Ecocentrism is sustainable in all cases, period. Life-centeredness is the only thing that lasts. Life-centeredness? We, we now know that. Human-centeredness is ecocidal, and there is no evidence in the history of humanity of otherwise. Human-centered measures of well-being are suicidal. So the, those are ju- that's just a whole little paragraph that makes no sense unless you've been indoctrinated into the Michael Dowd post doom terminology world. But dad, you did push back here and I thought you made a good point. You said, well, okay, okay so basically you're saying hunter gatherer societies are sustainable, but hunter gatherer societies don't get to develop great art or literature or any of the high cultural watermarks that we care about as people and aren't things like that important to what it means to be human i was like yes um and michael basically he says sure that's true but honestly honestly man there's only a 20 percent chance that humanity survives at all even in small pockets for even the next hundred years. So his response, he's hunter gatherer societies that that's sustainable. That's the way to go. And you're like, but I mean, there's, and I push there's some I, first yeah. of all, I, and I push back on that too, because the idea that the idea that humanity is not going to survive in pockets, like, like I think is absolutely ludicrous. Okay. You pushed back on that. Great. But 
you then soon after state you state your loyalty to humans by once again using what has become your favorite analogy for I'm humans. Sorry. I know you. I, cockroaches. I know you this. I'm, I'm no, sorry. No. I'm so- no. What? No, because that that's another <laughs> that's another one of those really telling signs of like repressed resentment or something that draws people to talking about the apocalypse when they're talking about humans like cockroaches. I would trust someone. Maybe I'd give them the time of day if there was a deep solemn, grounded tone of voice that, that uh, it communicated to me an embodied understanding of the sanctity of life. But when there's just this manic guy bouncing along the conversation going, yeah, yeah, and, you know, and cockroaches, I mean, co- we're like cockroaches in the way that we're loyal to the other cockroaches. I'm loyal to the other humans. Yeah, we're all going to die. It's gross. And speaking of resentment, moments <laughs> later, we get to hear Michael, we get to hear Michael scoff condescendingly at super genius innovator Elon Musk, who, if only he was as wise and insightful as Michael Dowd, would just give up. Elon Musk and super genius t- innovators of technology like that, they should just give up. And Michael puts Steven Pinker and Ray Kurzweil in the same category that who's those two guys, their only overlap is a belief in some future for our species that might not be hell. And Michael Dowd puts them in the same category and expresses similar contempt for their meager minds, clarifying of course, that really it's concern and pity that he feels for men like Elon Musk and Ray Kurzweil and Steven Pinker. Because it's men like these who are hit the hardest emotionally by these hard truths. So it's really concern for those guys he's feeling because they're not a profound and unflinching. You, 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 didn't, you didn't buy it, did you? You didn't buy it. They're not profound spirits like Michael Dowd who can stomach our doom with a smile. And then, Dad, you, you offer your, your hauntingly detailed prophecy that – I think like coronavirus is going to kick off a depression and that's going to kick off like an environmental problem. And that's going to make us susceptible to another virus. I think this is the beginning of the worst time. Right. Okay, good. Coronavirus is going to kick off a depression and that's going to kick off an environmental problem. I mean, all we're seeing right now with the economy grinding to a halt is nature seeming to get its footing back a little bit? So I'm not sure exactly what you mean by a depression leading to an environmental problem. I'm sure there's Would some- Would you like to know what I mean? Sure. What's the blurb? Because like, do I believe, do I believe that this virus is going to plunge us into an economic depression? Absolutely. And I'm not alone in that thought, okay? The, this, is, this is an economic event on a scale that, that we haven't seen, period, okay? Have I been in places like Haiti- and Ecuador and, and places where I've seen people living in grinding poverty and, and, the, and, and that there are absolute environmental impacts to people getting to that level of poverty, where they burn things they shouldn't burn, where they use land in ways they shouldn't la- use land, where they live without sanitation in situations that causes disease to spread and, 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 and 
uh, what's the word? Multiply. Yeah. So I have seen those things. But who cares if our thriving capitalistic society also plunges us into environmental catastrophe? So if the economy was doing well, environmental catastrophe, a depression, it's going to lead to environmental catastrophe. All roads seem to lead to the apocalypse with you two. And you tell us a minute later how you came upon these penetrating insights. You say, I remember when it dawned on me and it was after watching that crazy movie collapse with Michael Rupert, who's a wild and crazy journalist. But, you know, like I started doing research and within a week and a half, I was like, oh, my gosh. That, that's somebody yeah. I'm supposed to listen to about the end of the world. You watched a DVD then went on the internet and a week and a half later you had the unshaken belief that extinction is inevitable and by and the, the the dvd being someone you categorize as a wild crazy journalist what hmm, seems like maybe he was saying things you already kind of okay. wanted to believe for some strange reason no no that would be a mistake the, the, what would be true is that Michael Rapper was the first person I had ever, I had ever listened to who had talked about peak oil. And I had never thought about peak oil. I didn't know anything yeah, about while, peak while oil. While chain smoking cigarettes and talking about the CIA's conspiracy to put crack I, cocaine in the I didn't black claim he so was a credible guy. You didn't claim he was a credible guy. He changed your entire no. worldview in a week. That's, that's right. What happens sometimes So he should is, maybe be credible. Or maybe he should put an idea in my head that I go like, I don't trust that guy. Let me go and find out if anybody else is thinking about peak oil. Or is that guy just as crazy as There's he sounds? There's lots of crazy sounding guys who you could say, they're crazy. I could do my own research. Why this topic? And it was peak oil. He had a whole other theory. It had nothing to do with a pandemic leading to a depression. So it's all just in this big amorphous cloud of bad, big thing happen. Everyone die. <laughs> peak oil okay is one of the things that gets you into thinking about things like currency and how money works in our world and do you know how money works in our world oh so you're an, no, you're an economist no, i don't oh you're not I an don't. economist which 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 field wait, do you have the, where's the detailed second, knowledge wait, <laughs> wait a second like the the question is does somebody have to have complete scientific expertise in order to decide to use penicillin. No, they just have to trust somebody who does have some expertise. You're proclaiming a prophecy of the end of the world to your audience. I That's am not, not taking... proclaiming a prophecy yes, of the are. end of the world. I am proclaiming the prophecy of a, a very difficult, hard time that will soon be upon us. Everybody knows that we're in a difficult, hard time and it might get harder. You know, what's not going to help just talking about how bad it's going to get. And I ha there has to be some gradient where if I treat this like, oh, yeah, well, I actually think you do have some insight on this. I'm enabling you're out to fucking lunch on this. You don't know what you're talking about. And it, it would be disrespectful to you to pretend to take you seriously here because I take you seriously on a bunch of other things. And but uh, so I'm not going to fake that because I don't fake any of it. And just side note, I already said this to you, dad, but uh, it should be a red flag when you're talking to someone who has their own special way of spelling God. That maybe this is a narcissist. 
and who says and who says things and who says things like this? Who says things like <laughs> and okay. and who says things like this when life shows up? However, the fuck life shows up in my life. I don't go into resentment. I don't go into confusion. Well, sometimes confusion like curiosity, like what the hell's happening? What is this about? But then I look for the ways the universe is conspiring on my behalf. Is it really? Fuck, I don't know. But when I act like it is, man, do I love my life. Wow, Mike, so cool that no matter what happens, Mike, he never gets resentful or confused. And man, does he love his life. To know that he's able to accept our doom with a smile and a twinkle in his eye, that really makes things easier for me. And then soon after that, Dad, you... Stop, ca- stop, no. stop. <laughs> you casually stop. reveal that you would allow 5 billion people to die in a nuclear explosion to save one of your family members. And you don't, and right, you don't I, say I, it with I, any I, gravity. I you just bouncing along no, like like we're supposed right. to be like, oh, that's cute that he loves his granddaughter. <laughs> no, that's a big thing to say. Five billion people. You're a, you're a psychopath if you do that. But you I know you, yeah, your I, aesthetic, I, I, the aesthetic in this conversation is like cute psychopath. That That's the whole th- it's so cringy. And he starts talking about abrupt climate change and how it'll wipe out our species. And you're like panting in the background. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're in this. No escape. No, it, oh, it's inescapable. Oh, yeah. No, trust me. I, it's inescapable. Like, I like, did it, not say that. You did. You can listen back. You're, you're like goading him on. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He says 95% reduction in human population within 30 years. And you know, dad, he says, it breaks my heart, but I accept it with equanimity. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, regardless, you guys could be have the truth. Like you guys might be right. Let all of this stands even if you guys are right. Because it's just a grotesque tone to adopt in relation to the darkest conceivable subject matter. You you do sound like you can just church guys that have found a new thing. I think that that may be a that may be a, an explanation, not an excuse, but that may be an explanation. I think that when you are church guys, you do grow up and you get in the habit of talking about macro scale, human, heaven, hell, Armageddon, salvation, damnation. You get in the habit of talking about those things casually. And, you know, as I hear you, like, like, as I hear you reading back to me things that I said, but more importantly, I, I, I feel like the tone that you're, that you're striking and that you're saying like how, how angry you were at my tone, I go like, yeah, you know what? Um, and maybe that's me whistling in a graveyard. Like, like, I know you think like I sound stupid and I don't know what I'm talking about. On this. I, and I, I, I understand that there's a, that there's a, a broader that, that there's a broader backdrop of respect against which this particular area of disrespect sits, right? And um, and I accept that. And in this case, when you go like, you could be right about everything, and the tone of that podcast was disgusting. 
I go right, like, but you you're but what? you're not but you're not right about everything. So okay, don't well, feel we, too we, good about we that. can get it. Can, can, can you let me give you a no? Can you, can you let no, me? No, you don't get to give me the. I, you said I could be right about everything. No, I'm not saying you could be right about no, everything. I'm saying I'm even what I'm saying. In a, a strange <laughs> netherworld. I'm, I'm conceding. You, I'm conceding a point. Fair. Okay. And what I'm saying is like, could you just let me concede the point where you go like, hey, dad, your tone pissed me off. Regardless of what you were saying, the way you talked about negative, the way you talked about people sucks. The way, right, right. But what you were saying was also ridiculous. I understand that. I, we can get on. Like, There's nothing positive that. about it. And I just have two more things to say and then I'm done. Because then, <laughs> then we get to hear Michael. No, no listen. Wait, we, what we about get, John? John John has other things. John's, John's angry too. Sure. Okay. <laughs> he can he'll get in right after this. I'm not that angry. Then we get to hear Michael reveal the hard research he's been doing, which guess, guess what Michael's been doing. He's been testing definitions of doom and post doom. And guess what? He has three definitions for each. No, you're wrong on that one. You're wrong. If a person thinks they have a really good, important idea that people need to grasp. He's just looking for poetic sounding out. definitions of doom. He just wants to sound poetic. You're wrong. You're wrong. No, I'm not. When no, a person, not. when a communicator of ideas is talking to another communicator of ideas and they say, when I say it this way, people seem to get it. When what I'm saying, like that's a legitimate endeavor. Now you may not like what he's communicating and you, and you can critique that to the, to the high heaven and you can critique the tone to the high heaven. But like the fact that a communicator is working on trying to figure out the best, the, the most effective language for concisely communicating their ideas, there's nothing wrong with that. Not his ideas. He doesn't have any of his own ideas. That's why he likes to define things and make up new words for things to make up for a lack of actual original insight. Everything he says. You, no, about you can't it, say that. You can't say he has no ideas and then say all his ideas are wrong. One of those two things is true. No, actually, you can regurgitate other people's bad ideas. But he and he has and any of the like he says some stuff that I agree with, but it's also not his like everything he says about acceptance and going through the post doom doorway into acceptance and gratitude. Like, yes, sure. Schopenhauer basically says the same thing at the level of personal consciousness, like accepting life as a tragedy opens your eyes to the beauty instead of being in constant resistance to the hard parts. And Buddha, life is suffering. Like these are ancient spiritual truths. The difference is that those guys are, are like the genuinely profound guys aren't using it as justification for telling people who are actually working to solve real problems to just give up because it's hopeless and get ready for the, the new time where the world will be just this post-apocalyptic wasteland. And again, what, what Michael was criticizing is what, what could broadly be understood as techno-optimism, okay? This, the, the kind of the human hubris that says, no matter what mess we create, we can always innovate our way out of it, okay? And, and things and, don't have to be, you don't have to choose one. You can just try to adapt, as life continues, like, why does it have to be either you think that no matter what technology solves all our problems in any situation or we're fucked and the whole world's burning? Like, those are the camps in your mind for some reason. Again, no gradients. Just A or B. I'm, it, it's a tragedy to me if, if you become part of his like post doom friendship group. Like, that's 
that's a really sad outcome for your intellectual trajectory. And I just hope you don't triple down on it as some sort of I'm still here motherfucker thing. John? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you have anything to add? Uh, I don't want to pile on. I, I mean, uh, in a way, no, no, no. like, like, don't get, don't get me wrong. Like I'm, I'm, there's a certain amount of embarrassment that I feel here. Mm -hmm. And then there's a certain amount of frustration I feel mm -hmm. because I still genuinely believe that at least some people benefit and are comforted and are helped and make better decisions if they have a if they have a deeper sense of the gravity of the situation that they're in and i don't think a lot of people are treating this situation not coronavirus but like the larger issues of climate change and growth economy and overconsumption and you know you know all the th the eight things Roman's talking about that I always mm -hmm. talk about. Mm -hmm. I do think that th that there are a lot of people that are not grasping the gravity of exponential growth that we've experienced over the last hundred years. Um, and so, like a part of me is like, you know what? There's a hell of a lot of stuff that Roman just said that I go like guilty as charged. And like, you know, I have a problem. I've always had a problem. And that is when I'm in a conversation with somebody, I have a tendency to get on board and to sort of build rapport and to try to, 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 try to find the areas of convergence rather than going to the, you know, like rather than going to the areas. Yeah, you feel of, them. Yeah. And, and. And honestly, you know, if, if there's anything that I would say is that my conversation with Michael Dowd reflected a lack of preparation, um, like like doing my podcaster homework. Mm -hmm. And therefore, I should have been much more of a challenger than a cheerleader. Um, I, I do suffer from the fact that like most places I go, people are like, we don't want to hear, don't, don't tell us that things are going to get worse. Don't tell us that you think that this is going to be a, a large scale, this is going to be a 10 year event. Don't tell us that, you, you know, that nobody wants to hear anything other than we're going to get through this just fine. And so, you know, there, there, there's a reason why I sort of felt like, ah, oh, finally somebody I can talk to, but that's no excuse. For some of the stuff that, that you know, Roman, I know that that's, that's no excuse for the tone. And the, the kind of like, um, I don't know, the, the kind of like, ha, 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 aren't we smarter than everybody else tone? Like, I get that. Um, Roman, so, are you frustrated that Bart, that Bart is focusing on the tone when you think he should be focusing on like substance as well? It's all one big problem to me. I, I don't really draw that line because the tone is connected to your actual grasp of the subject matter. So once again, it's not like, oh, just adopt a more solemn tone so you can fake like you feel this way about it. Like I don't, I'm not trying to dress it up to be presentable. It's just pseudo-intellectualism. 
Okay, but how about if we just make me a guy who reads the New York Times and sees that for the past three years, every climate scientist says, yeah, you know what? The shit that we predicted, it's all happening faster than we thought. What do you do with the fact that A, we're in a climate emergency and B, we're in a political, we're living in a political reality where governments are completely unable to do any large scale work because mm-hmm. they can't plan with a, a, more than two years in advance because we're in the grips of late of late democracy where you've got a two party system that switches power every few years. See, and when is, you're is saying, when you're saying this stuff, do you feel like you're giving a comprehensive overview of the state of no, humanity? No, I don't. I don't. I'm, I'm, what I'm telling you is like, so don't I make hear, me, don't say, what do you do with climate change? Cli- like I don't do, do anything. You, I'm just saying like, I'm walking through, I'm walking down the street and I, I hear screaming over there and I see a fire over there and I see things and you go like, do you have a comprehensive understanding of what's going on in your environment? I go like, no, but like, I'm not stupid either. Like we elected Donald no, that's Trump a very to be the president of the largest right, economy, right? At the very moment when we're facing a, a, a mortal crisis from, from, from over, over industrialization and right, he's it's not hard to every complain. environmental thing. Like, I'm, I'm, it's not complaining. It's observing. Right. But it's uh, observing a, that walking down the street and seeing that there's a fire and someone screaming. That's that's a terrible example, because that's actually a situation where the, you, you it's at the level of analysis that you are able to fully comprehend the situation and you can instinctively know if you're going to make it if you run in that room and you can actually help in that situation. You're talking, you, you've blown it up to the largest possible scale. So like, and right, I'm, I'm, I've blown it up to stuff I don't understand, like coral reefs deteriorating all over the world. Or Anybody you know, can just co- say like that large stuff, scale man. Species style. But it's real. Sure, you can go down that list. What about the other list? Do you have anything on that? I mean, it's funny because like oh, at, at my birthday dinner a couple of weeks ago, Moran and Tyler and everybody's around. We, we do birthday questions. You know, whoever's birthday it is, everybody asks some question. And Tyra's question was, over the last five years, what's the book that's been the most significant one? Which is a very hard question because, you know, I'm always in love with the last book I read. But if, but if I really said, like, what's the book that's changed me the most? And that's what he was asking. It was this book by a scientist named David Deutsch called The Beginning of Infinity. And it was about... A lot of things, but among those things, what I took away from it was the idea that all these existential risks, as terrifying as they are, he's like, we're also creating knowledge at exponential rates and we're creating capacity at exponential rates. And how'd you debunk that? It was a kind, I didn't. You didn't? No. It gave me hope but how, but, think, but you must have debunked it by now because i never hear you talk about it i, I feel <laughs> like in some sense on this issue i'm a little bit of a polemicist in the sense of the whole world is saying hey just keep buying stuff just keep flying on airplanes wherever you go just keep doing what you do baby like it's you know like recycle is good but like don't worry that doesn't at all sound like what the whole world is saying 
And just on the no, topic no. of Do hope, see- Michael Dowd said hope is a bad thing and you didn't disagree. So you shouldn't want to create it if you agree that it's a bad I thing. I did disagree. I did disagree. Like we have different, we, I tried to get him to define it. We have different definitions of hope. To me, hope is Fair enough. the emotion that arises out of the admission that you don't know what's going to happen next. And, and, and the possibility that what you do might make a difference. Back to why the book about human innovation is never mentioned. Back to that book. Okay. Oh, why is it never mentioned? Yeah, because, why do you like, only talk about doom? <laughs> <laughs> do I really only talk about doom? Dude, everybody, like you're getting, you're becoming weird. Miranda and Tyler are like, oh, we don't listen to the, but we get plenty of art. Mom is like, I, yeah, I got to just tune him out. Like you're becoming weird about this. And Michael Dowd in that world, like that. It's not, I, I was always told that happened years ago. The the weird the weirdness about the about the doom. I think Bart, you told me that that like, hey, people don't listen to me on this stuff now in my family. <laughs> yeah, but especially in this situation, it's like you, if you think that profound, insightful thinkers throughout history, like were were not able to stomach the many tragedies that are inevitably a part of life. Like you think Gandhi didn't didn't see how much suffering is in for us on our human journey, but people still wanted to be around him for some reason because he didn't just harp on that point forever and uh, to the exclusion. And I don't harp on that point forever. Do you feel like I harp on that point forever? I, I mean, obviously it's not all you ever talk about, but it is your thing. And it's a big growing branch of your mind. I think it's funny how pe- people don't expect it of Bart either. Like uh, they they always think of Bart as being this very warm, you know, optimistic, hopeful humanist. So this doesn't fit for people. Sometimes they don't figure out like where does this fit into Bart's thing? Well, because it's not it's not integrated. Like it's it doesn't match up with who you actually are, Dad. It it's a it's a game. You have these the same blurbs that you say each time and the same eight words and you like to talk about it because it's exciting. And I know you have fantasies about like a, a small group where all of a sudden you're a very influential figure because your skill set is called upon in this new wasteland. Bart, do you think that's fair? No, but I understand where, like, I, 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 like, is there an element of truth in it? No. Yes. I'll, I'll give you an example. When Roman was, Roman was a teenager, we're driving right before Christmas, we're driving in our van and I pull out and I end up hitting another car. Okay. This is in our, we were living in a pretty rough neighborhood and the guy in the car gets out of the car and he is a badass and he is ready to kill. And, you know, like I said to Roman, stay here. And I get out and I, 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 I deal with it. Like I, I, I calm him down and like I get back in the car and you go like, was I happy that I hit that guy's car? No. Did I feel, was I sort of proud of the fact that I know how to handle a really difficult situation like that in a way that maybe a lot of other people don't? And like, yeah, like there was a certain amount of gratification in going like, I'm prepared, I'm equipped to help. Yeah. In and, this and, and maybe you are, but like one step past that, where you walk by and you see someone bashing someone else's face in with a brick and there's brains on the brick and the person's body is convulsing and they're still gurgling some of their blood up. Like the kinds of situations that are just pretty commonplace when things go completely to chaos. 
I just don't hear any of the weight of that. I don't think you are really contending with the gravity of violence. I don't know if you've ever seen any real horrific violence and just like felt what it does to your nervous system. I've only seen a little well, bit. A couple exp- of mo- there are a couple of moments in, in that, that I, that I agree with that where Bart, you, I think we were talking about the shotgun, whether we, whether or not you should get a shotgun. And you said you concluded that you should, but then I asked you if you did and you said no. And I think the same was true with Michael Dowd, where I was listening to this thing and, and you asked him at the end that uh, question about what he's doing practically and what he's planning in his own life. And when he actually gave the answer, it didn't sound any different to what anybody else I know is doing right now. So it made me sort of feel like, oh, maybe this is all just like academic in their heads and it's just an academic exercise of a sort. Yeah, I mean, I think that when you have talked about something, when you've thought about something a lot and nobody takes you seriously when you bring it up, Mm -hmm. um, the conversation shifts in your mind. Like, you know, like, and I think it's easier for you not to take, you know, you start going for a tent, you know, trying to, trying to say something that will provoke the conversation to move in a, like you try to win the argument instead of staying in the space that you're really in. You, I've lost, I think I may have lost touch with the reality that I'm worried about. Like mm-hmm. I may have lost touch with the consequences. I've gotten into like the math of how we get there and why, why and I can't get anyone to, to, to believe me that the math is off and that we've got some problems and, you know, I can't, you know, and it, or it feels that way. I, you know, I, like I'm embarrassed by that. I know I'm embarrassed that my, I'm embarrassed that my family is like, yeah, he seems crazy or we don't want to talk to him <laughs> anymore or we don't take him serious. You know, like that's embarrassing. Well, it's also, um, it's sort of like the opposite of the way I know that you want to be with your family, which is always like, uh, right. didn't they always call you like the Oracle, you know, like jokingly, like, you know, Bart has a, a good grasp on how to give advice. Bart is someone about that interpersonal, we we, about interpersonal relationships. Yes. The, yes. the le- like the level of your expertise and your intuition and your wisdom is optimized at the level of relationships between individuals and that's oh i don't a, know someone a, i would whose judgment i would trust more on that stuff no that's Bart. that's his wheelhouse that's his real expertise yeah. yes and and but it it's and you when you jump a hundred scales you sound like you have no idea what you're talking about even if you say some things that might turn out to be right in some way it's just there's no way no matter how many statements you think it's like trump's it's like trump saying that that malaria drug's really good like it might turn out to be really good but like that doesn't right. mean like that's not the guy. No basis to say <laughs> and he yeah. could never make it sound convincing he could just because of by virtue of how he says it and none of this stuff sounds convincing when you say it uh, especially stacked against that 90 percent of the people listening to you say it are are going to be desperate for it not to be true I, I I did um, bristle like Roman did at the way Michael Dowd made it sound like all the ways that we might solve some of our issues are futile or foolhardy or bad. You know, at certain moments he was shitting on 
Elon Musk, like you said, Roman, or or Bill Gates and others, Pinker and others who want to contribute to the future. And I can't see that as anything but the opposite of where I'm at. I mean, uh, out of maybe the three of us, I'm not quite a techno utopian, but I do think that, you know, that that sort of uh, dismissiveness of the idea that we can innovate our way out or that we can sustain it by innovation. I, I do think technology is already fixing a lot of the problems that it created. I mean, if you go back 100 years, people's concerns would be entirely different than they are now. And their concerns aren't even relevant in the same ways now. So even if you're not with me in the technology, I don't think it's smart to suggest that the people working on solutions are wasting their time. And the way Michael Dowd put it is like, um, you, it's the, he, he described it and in, in, framed it in the sense of like uh, the stages of grief. Like you have to grieve that idea. And the reason why he feels so dismissive of, of working for the future or like, you know, pr- providing solutions to sustain this economy is because he's like literally buried that idea like a dead person. And grieved its absence for a while before now, <laughs> you know, being where he is. So I, you know, I find that a little weird because to me, you know, I don't think that's something that I'm ever going to bury. Yeah, it's, it's funny because at the same time, I've been talking collapse for years. The last couple of years, I've been talking a lot out of that Rebecca Solnit definition of hope. And I've been talking about, you know, the humility of admitting that you don't know what's going to happen mm-hmm. and, and, and that hope is admitting that you don't know what's going to happen and therefore that you don't know that what you're doing might not make a difference. And so therefore, like, since you don't know, you do your best because you care and you want, and you want the best outcome. And so, yeah, I, and when you have a natural ability to create harmony between individuals, it's like, can we, can we just get that part right now? Focus on that. Yeah. Because we you know need what? that. Yeah. You know, this is, he, this has been the most difficult week for me. Yesterday I got up, I'm in this, I'm taking these counseling classes and I, um, we now we're doing it all virtual. So we have to post these things on chat rooms, you know, responses to articles and things. And it's like social media, a kind of social media and I suck at it. And so what happens is, is that my classmates put up ideas and I put up ideas and my ideas sound so arrogant and assholeish. And one of my classmates is like, you're so nice in person. You're such a jerk (laughs) on these message boards. And I was like, yeah, like I'm good with people. Because with, if a person's in front of me, I can read their emotions and I know when to back off or whatever. It's like, I'm not, you know, so, so like I, I you know, I, I, I really messed up with my classmates and, and you know, and, and the ideas that I trashed were probably trashable ideas, but like, I'm just not a mean person. And then my sister's disappointed. And then you, John, you write me that letter. And I'm like, I, know, I see what you're saying. And Roman, like, like, I'm not fighting back very hard on this stuff. Like what's happening is, is that, this stuff is playing into all my areas of weakness, mm. this situation. I'm not a good social media person. I'm not a good phone guy. Um, I, you know, I, I, the, the, I, I have very real fears and like I am, like I have, I may not be intellectual enough to spout about it or to talk about it, but like 
I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely th- like, like I'm not making up that I think that we're headed into a really hard time. I'm not mm-hmm. making that up. That's not, and, and, and like, and you know, the gravitas, like, like when I'm talking to doctors and, and, and nurses that are friends of mine and they're in these hospitals in New York and, and places and they're like, it, it's so painful. And so, so like, nah, I'm not excited about it. Um, and I just feel like I'm, I'm playing to all my weaknesses and away from all my strengths right now. And that's, I mean, that's like, what's funny is like, that's what I'm taking away from this conversation is just like, you know, in a sense, not in a, not in a dismissive way, but like almost like a, please stay in your lane, you know, please do what you do. Don't do what you don't do. Don't, don't. And, and you can hold on to any of the beliefs that are important to you, but I don't think you would ever feel like you were being false if outwardly you just said, I don't know what's going to happen. Because you don't know no, what's going to happen. No, and don't. everybody can take that. Everybody's like, yeah, neither do I. Okay, now let's just live optimally in the situation that we're in. And just let that other, let the, all your natural talents bloom. I, I think you might not be, in some ways you are well suited to this situation in, yes. in terms of, you know, you've, you have a beautiful family that is in harmony most of the time. And a lot of that is because of your ability to make people feel heard and I don't know why you think you're bad on the phone. I mean, I know it, it cuts off some of the information that you naturally get from body language and subtle facial stuff, but you might not say I don't have, have any asthma. stamina for it. I don't, I don't have any stamina uh, for it. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted right. all the time. You're not right getting now. fed by the other person's energy. Yeah. No. I get that. No, and, I and get so that. there are all these people that are sort of, I, I mean, one of my closest friends here in Cincinnati, his his mother died a week and a half ago. And he wrote to me, he, he reached out to me today looking for a therapist. And I said, man, you don't need a therapist. Like, why don't you just come over and we'll talk? And he's like, he said, you know, the problem is, he's like, I, I know that if I, if I cry out for like, that I'm in trouble, that you'll respond. But it's like, I don't want to cry out. Like, I just want people to, I just want people to be paying, to be, to be caring for me. And I just uh. thought like, yeah, I, like I have not re- like this is one of my closest friends, and I have not reached out to him. I have, I, I mean, in, 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 occasionally, but like, like the kind of love that I would be giving him if I was able to be there. Yeah, I haven't. You know, like my telephone equivalent is bullshit. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like, so th- th- this is. I mean, this is a good word for me, and I, I know that on a deep level. It isn't helpful. Okay, like, that's like, what that's where I wanted to get with this because my big frustration was that right in this moment when people need us, we're talking about this stuff. Uh, you know, and so I don't think we're helping. I don't think we were helping people with that episode. Um, you know, I, I think I, I wrote to you, Bart, in my email 
that, you know, at moments I found myself frustrated to be listening to a conversation about the inevitability of being thrown into communal living and growing our own food at a time when I'm much more focused on the income of my family during the next few months, getting my business back in swing this summer, retooling it to adapt to a changed marketplace as the economy fires back up, making sure I can contribute. Um, you know, that's where I was at. I was like, man, Bart could have so much to say to people right now who are economically worried, not about a total economic collapse, you know, of the sort that, that is, you know, on the Michael Dowd sort, but of, yeah, what do you do in a recession slash depression? Um, you know, and, and how do you, how, how do you go into that psychologically and all the other tools that you're so good at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's what, that's where I want us to be. And people are locked in their houses in difficult marriages and with roommates that maybe they never anticipated having this much exposure to. Other people are alone and trying to find ways to occupy themselves outside of just scrolling through social media endlessly. There's people that were, on their way out of a relationship and or, or in a new relationship that now all of a sudden has become, this is the only person you see every day in a small space and they weren't ready for that. Like there's all kinds of unique little situations. Yeah. And I, and I can't uh, put all that on you, Bart. I mean, I'm the producer of this podcast. So, you know, I, I should have been probably trying to push us in that direction and, and, you know, have yeah. those episodes. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, John. You suck, John. Yeah, you suck. <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, Aren't you supposed to protect me from myself, man? Uh, right, right, right. That's right. No. Bart, you are incredible at taking criticism. Like a, a million times better than me. Your, your vulnerability with Roman is amazing. You guys are amazing at having open conversations in a public way that don't compromise on anything you know like uh, but but they never feel perilous in a way that would make me worried so i love you guys for that so thank you yeah well i don't even need to say like and you know this all comes from love and you know that i no, like it's no, just all you don't you, know. you don't need to say it's clear, that it's clear right yeah. i'm exhausted all roman's review was like a review of a bad restaurant that was so brutal it went viral. <laughs> well, the thing is, is, is what I would prefer is I would prefer that people understood this episode as m me having to having a look at what I'm doing. So, yeah. all right, thanks, Roman. All right, I love you. Love you both. Yeah, thanks, Roman. Yeah, um, yeah I love you guys. Love you guys. Right. I'll talk to you guys soon. All right, talk to you soon. Okay, right. bye. All right, that was it. That was me and Roman Campolo, my son. If you made it this far, you're probably as exhausted as I was at the end of that conversation. Um, thanks. Thanks for being part of this community. Thanks for being part of this process. I would love to hear from you about this show. And I, if nothing else, I hope that, this, that, that, that you come away from this conversation believing that Sometimes people really do change their minds. And sometimes people really do change their behaviors and their attitudes. And that engaging one another in love is worth the trouble.
Um, because then on, on some level, that's what this show is all about. It's all about encouraging one another to make the most of this life by loving other people, by building, other, by building loving relationships and by making things better for other people and by cultivating some wonder and some gratitude along the way. And I, I am full of gratitude and not a little bit of wonder right now. And I'm, I'm grateful that you're part of it. Listen, if you want to hear about the LSD thing, that's a fascinating episode on all by itself. It's on the other side of the Patreon wall. A lot of people are going there. A lot of people are digging that episode. It's worth a listen. But right now, you're exhausted. I'm exhausted. I'll see you next time on Humanize Me. For more on BART, go to bartcampolo.org. If you like this podcast, please consider supporting it every month and get extra content for it. Go to patreon.com slash humanize me. Our patrons do make the show happen. Follow us at humanize me pod on Twitter and humanize me podcast on Instagram. You can also join other listeners on our private Facebook group. Just search humanize me on Facebook. To ask your own question on the show, leave it as a voicemail at 424-291-2092. That's 424-291-2092. And finally, please review us on iTunes. It really helps. Catch you next week. Humanize Me is a production of Jux Media. Hey, you could be larger than life.